Hello and welcome to the InstaFame podcast. My name is Ella May and I'll be your host. I am an Instagram strategist, success coach, and the creator of the InstaFame formula. I am obsessed with helping aspiring entrepreneurs and established brands learn exactly what to do to grow their Instagram account and turn it into a money-making machine. I absolutely love helping you up-level your life, your business, your marketing, and helping you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that you want using Instagram. It is my duty and obsession to give the tools, the resources, strategies, and teachings to help you get the success and lifestyle you're looking for. In this podcast, you're going to hear lots about Instagram and how to use it to its full potential, business building strategies, and how to create a life you absolutely love. Consider this podcast your daily dose of success strategies to maximize your impact, your influence, and your development. I'm going to make sure you not only know how to get the most out of Instagram, but also that you're making an income from it. Because let's face it, if you're putting time, money, and effort into something, you should be getting a rate of return on it. If you're ready to get your ass kicked to the next level when it comes to killing it in your business and on Instagram, you've come to the right place. Want to make sure you don't miss anything? Be sure to hit the subscribe button. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. Welcome back to the Instafame podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You are in for a treat today. So Penny has been a friend of mine for over a year now. We met in Jim Fortin's group coaching program. We talk a lot about that in the episode. And one of the biggest gifts that she gave me, as well as everybody that she works with, is really the under the self-awareness to know what was holding me back. When people ask me what's the biggest thing that what was the biggest factor in growing your business or you know on a podcast or whatever, they're always surprised at my answer because my answer always has been for the past year, forgiveness. It was learning how to forgive, not hold grudges, forgive myself. And Penny was the one who allowed that to happen. So Penny's an award-winning hypnotist and a professional hypnosis instructor. Uh, She helps entrepreneurs earning six to multi-seven figures break through their subconscious beliefs and behaviors that are limiting the expansions of their success. We go in depth on my experience working with Penny and and with hypnotherapy, the key subconscious beliefs that cause self-sabotage no matter how much money you're making. I'm sure we've all been there or you will be there. The surprising thing that Penny helped me identify that catapulted my business growth, how being an entrepreneur can expose your subconscious beliefs at a whole new level and so much more. Full disclosure, this episode was released so late. I don't know why it got lost. I apologize. So we talk about Penny's book release in December. That was December of last year. So her book is out now. You can get the book. The link is in the show notes. We talk about it in there. In the meantime, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Penny Chasen. All right. Welcome to the show. You guys, I am so excited to be here with Penny. I originally met Penny through a group training program I was doing called Transformational Coaching Program with Jim Fortin. And she was recommended by Jim as the go-to hypnotherapist. He was like, whatever issue you have, Penny can solve it. 
I, I, I've never really done a formal hypnotherapy session before. And I can tell you it was incredible. She connected dots. I never would have connected. And the rate of return I've gotten off of the two sessions from working with her has been insane. So just to give you a background, Penny is an award-winning hypnotist and a professional hypnosis instructor. So she assists entrepreneurs earning six to multi-seven figures break through subconscious beliefs and behaviors that are limiting the expansion of their success. So Penny, thank you so much for being here. I'm happy to be here, Ella. I love it. So just to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into what you do now? Well, it was quite accidental, um, to be honest. I went into nursing school and not really sure what I was going to do with my life, and that led to nurse anesthesia, which uh, led to my discovery of mind-body medicine. Now, you may be thinking, how did anesthesia lead to the discovery of mind-body medicine, because one is considered really woo-woo, and the other one is scientific, but I just want to tell everybody the woo is starting to be backed up by science, but long story short, the hospital had a CHI center, a center for healthcare integration, and I mean, this was 15 years ago, and I noticed that my patients that came through who had Reiki and healing touch and used mind-body techniques took less anesthesia. They were more comfortable. They were more awake after the anesthetic. And as I dove into the research, I uncovered the body of medical and scientific research on hypnosis. And I thought to myself, well, what is this all about? And four years later, I became certified and dabbled along for a while, but what I found was that this is truly my passion because I can bring my values into this in a way that I couldn't in the healthcare field. And as you know, I have officially left healthcare. That's part of who I was now. It's not no longer who I am. That's so exciting. Yeah, that you're, that, and I'm not surprised at all that you're doing this full time because you're so incredible at it. So you say you, you generally work with entrepreneurs, uh, you know, six to seven figure entrepreneurs. What are some of the most common subconscious beliefs you're seeing? Because a lot of, you know, a lot of the time we're like, okay, well, she's making seven figures or she's making 500 grand a year. She's got it all figured out, right? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> we all have the same uh, underlying habits and beliefs going on. It's just how we address it and how comfortable we are pushing through layers until we reach the point that we decide, you know what, maybe I should see if somebody could give me a hand with this. Like, you know, something, you come upon it and it's uncomfortable and you're motivated and you push through it. And then it's uncomfortable, you're motivated and you push through it. Well, some people have more motivation to push through their fears than mm. others. And then they reach that point where they become frustrated. And it's like, okay, I'm not getting what I want here. Why am I not getting what I want? And the most common behaviors are procrastination or immersing oneself in busy work mm. instead of in the tasks that actually move the business forward. And it almost always comes down to some underlying belief of, will people accept me? 
am I good enough? Will people love me? That's generally the gist of what it all distills down to in the end. And you can have the most loving family in the world, the most wonderful parents, and you could have had one teacher who scowled at you when you gave a project that you were so proud of and she hurt your tiny little feelings, not meaning to, because she was distracted by something else. And then when you're at 750,000 and you've got this launch, and it's like, okay, I gotta push a hundred, uh, you know, a million dollars, a million dollars, and then all of a sudden you find yourself freezing up. Like mm. you're almost there and you're like, oh my gosh, like why, why can't I, why can't I do these IG stories? Why, why, you know, I talk to people all day long. Why can't I get in front of this camera? And that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, it seems so simple, but it's not easy. I got chills while you were saying that because it's so true. It's, you know, will I be accepted? Will I be loved? Will I, you know, will I be okay type thing? Will I be enough? Um, and I think there's, there's no doubt about it. We all deal with that on some level. So I'm really curious because this is obviously your area of expertise. Uh, like when you're saying, you know, you're working with these entrepreneurs who are at, you know, three quarters of a million and they're like, why can't I do this IG video or, you know, do this launch correctly or whatever it might be. Do you find any common recurring patterns with subconscious beliefs that's, that seem to show up over and over again? Everyone's circumstances are unique. And it just really varies from person to person. And the approach I use is systematic because we kind of look for the source of the belief or the emotions, right, that mm. are around the belief because the brain functions off of emotion. Mm. And something can be very insignificant, but in the moment, if the brain attaches a significant feeling to it, then it attaches greater meaning to it. So we work through that process. And then on the back end of that, if it's say this is something that has been a recurring theme in someone's life, the piece that might break it all loose for them is to go through a process where they release themselves from the past. In other words, they forgive themselves for the way that this has held them back before. Mm. And the frustrated sh frustration it has created in their life. Um, if it's okay, I would like to give an example of a very odd way that a money block came up. Oh my gosh, I would love that. Okay, so I have this one entrepreneur that I've worked with. She runs a, a multi-million dollar business. And the day that she crossed $1 million, she sat in her chair and stared out the window for days. And from that point forward, she has had difficulty or it's been very challenging and uncomfortable for her to show up in a leadership way and not in leading the business, but like in leading groups and speaking hmm. and putting herself out there. And most people feel like they know the exact moment an issue was created. But what we realize is the moment when the symptom of the issue was created. So we did our normal talk and went through the process. And then we went through a forgiveness process. And then our third meeting, I, I mentioned to her, 
you know, what about this one issue around this person? Did you forgive this person when we went through the forgiveness? Because it's a dialogue. And once a person has a dialogue with the person that's caused them the most frustration in the subconscious state, they can pretty easily process everyone else without my guidance. Mm. But this one thing had kept coming up. And the response was, well, I don't want to forgive. I'm like, well, I think we need to because resentment blocks success. Mm. Through that process, as the forgiveness was taking place, the spontaneous insight came that in her mind, she believed she was supposed to be the poor divorcee. No way. Because that was what she had already, it's just what she had always been told. And that's what people around her, you know, even though she was the million dollar money maker and he was not, um, it, it was just like she didn't even realize that she had taken on this identity. It came out spontaneously in the session. And that was the game changer right there. It's all about will, being willing to be vulnerable and just go there. I don't care what's going on in your past. You just need to get it out. And I'm there to facilitate it. And that's what it came down to. That's so crazy. You guys, this is really where Penny is so incredible because she not only is, is very skilled at guiding you through the processes that she knows works, but she also is an incredible listener. And she, like this happened for me when I did a session with her, you just, you would never think that the issues you have with anxiety and relationships is linked to when you got scared, like when you got scared when you were a kid or like you just don't connect those dots. And she's incredible at not only guiding you through a process, but she listens so well that she can really pick up on where the issue happened. And because she knows so much about the mind body connection, she can guide you accordingly. And it's, it's just so cool to have those little aha moments because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all of all this crap was created because I didn't deal with that thing there that I didn't even know was a thing. That's right. When we're little, you know, our parents tell us, you know, oh, you don't need to worry about that, honey. It's okay. It's okay. Don't be angry. Don't be this. Don't be that. And we don't learn to feel and process our emotions because when we're that young, those emotions are valid. And, you know, we need to learn to process them in a healthy way. And our parents have adult knowledge. They don't see it as a big deal. Our teachers don't see it as a big deal. But to our childhood egos, it is a big deal. So it's just one of those things. And um, it's a very rewarding process to move people beyond this. And it's one of the reasons why I tell people, I'm like, you can tell me anything and I am not going to judge you because I've been through this process myself mm. and I've been on the other side. So, um, you know, you just got to lay it out there. If you're ready to let it go, you just have to be vulnerable and let yourself feel what's going on. Absolutely. There's something I want to touch on that you mentioned before, because uh, this has been a really, a, a really big piece that's recently been brought into my awareness, which was, which is forgiveness. So 
I was recently on a podcast and somebody asked me, Hey Ella, what, what's the, what, what's the key? What's, what would you say is the key thing that has grown your business the most? And I think they were expecting to hear, you know, Oh, I implemented this launch strategy or whatever. And I was like, honestly, forgiveness. And they were like, what? And I was like, I know anytime I'm blocked, I'm holding on to something, even if it's forgiving myself. But I think, I think that forgiveness can be a bit of a muddled concept sometimes being like, okay, are we saying that, you know, maybe let's say it's someone outside of us that hurt us. So like, are we saying that person did nothing wrong? You know? So how, how do you, how do you work through forgiveness with people? And what, what are some of the manifestations you see show up of somebody who is holding on to a grudge and maybe they don't even know it, but how, how would it be showing in their lives? Well, the biggest is that when someone is holding in some kind of a resentment or a hurt, mm-hmm. you're very easily triggered. Oh, I, I mean, when you see being triggered, I mean, triggered means getting angry. It means getting upset. And there's something called the way I was trained, emotional resonance. And that's when an event that you're experiencing right now within the subconscious, when it is on a similar tone or theme of something you have felt before, then in that moment when something happens, that anger, that resentment, that not fair, that she shouldn't have done that to me, it resonates with events in the past. And then all of that emotion comes up and out. And that's why little things can sometimes easily trigger you because it resonates with something in the past and you haven't dealt with the hurt in the past. Now to facilitate someone through this process, I put them in a place where they are safe and they can express what needs to be expressed without any concern of retaliation and with complete acceptance. And it's done in the hypnotic state. And a key piece of this is to really allow yourself to express and feel the anger. Some people have a little bit, some people have a lot. And I never place any expectation on what a client is going to do because a lot of people have done work before they got to me. I've had people who've told me I did 15 years of therapy around this. I'm not angry. And I'm like, trust me. (laughs) And it ends up being a forgiveness session that's broken down over two, two hour sessions because what happened was what many people believe is forgive and forget. And really what that means is I'm pushing it out of my mind until it doesn't consciously bother me anymore. True forgiveness happens when you can do one of a couple of things. Either you can go to the person and you can make fair with the understanding that you're not forgetting, that you learn your lesson. The other way is to forgive on your own behalf. Again, not forgetting, not condoning, not accepting, but forgiving to set yourself free. Mm. But but the way that that happens is to gain an insight in the process. And where the insight comes in is that one thing deep inside that you know that given the opportunity, that person might have done something differently. Not that they would have, 
but that it might have been possible, that they had the potential that had the circumstances be different. Now, I've had situations where that simply wasn't the case, and the forgiveness has to come from a place of, you know what, for somebody to have done X, Y, and Z, and there's not any part of them that I can detect that would have had any regret or remorse, mm. then there's something wrong there. And so I can let it go because they're broken. Wow. And so it gives you another level of a degree of insight there that clearly, you know, they're lacking compassion or something inside of them that can love and accept others. And then you are able to get the forgiveness off of that insight. It's one of those things too, where uh, we hear fairly often, you know, um, like others are, are uh, like it hurt people, hurt people and others are, you know, just they're, it's, it's not about you. It's about them, but it's really, really different when you're in the moment, right? Like when you're in the moment, receiving the blame, like get, you know, in the hurt, you, you don't think about it that way. You're not like, Oh, it's okay. This person's just, they're having a bad day or whatever. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, why are it's, you yelling at me? You know? It, exactly. However, when I work somebody through a forgiveness process, one of the, the pieces is I ask the person in the hypnotic state, you know, you changed. They have not changed. They're still in your life. Can you maintain this perceptive perspective and adopt an attitude of ongoing forgiveness? Now, does that mean you're an angel if they are nasty to you? No. It just means that you're able to not harbor and hold on to that anger like you're able to process it and let it go if they do something like that because you've already gained the insight and that's so key like it, it, i tend to attract a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and, and people with established personal brands and businesses and maybe you're listening to this being like okay this is super cool but how does this relate to business and i can tell you uh, and i'm sure penny can attest to this now that she's uh she's doing her thing full time and and before i'm sure but anytime anyone says, hey, Ella, I'm thinking about starting my own business, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, oh, hey, enjoy being nervous. Get ready for terrified, not scared, <laughs> not stressed, like effing terrified. Because that's what happens. And anyone who's listening to you who has a business knows exactly what I'm talking about. You go to these places you didn't know existed. So when we're talking about this stuff, if this is an aspiration of yours or, or you're currently running a business and you're already in so many vulnerable situations and so many situations where you're having to figure things out on the fly and dealing with different types of problems and you also have something harboring inside of you that allows you to get triggered or allows you to get reactive or makes it so that you don't want to, you know, you basically you retreat, you don't want to do anything or whatever. This is a really big problem. <laughs> this can really tank your idea, your productivity, your, and just a sense of your ability to help people. So with what we're talking about here, this, is, this truly is really the hard work. This is why we see people who make, you know, whatever amount of money you can imagine and, you know, end up committing suicide or just are extremely unhappy because it doesn't, it doesn't solve when we don't, when, if we don't prioritize the work, 
on the internal stuff that we know is like, that's creating negative recurring patterns in our life, then we, we don't get the internal peace, which is like, essentially the, that's the, that's the mothership. That's what we're all after, right? It, it is the mothership. And when you find that sense of internal peace and calm, and you can be that person, then you can weather a storm from a place of objective response mm. instead of reaction. Reaction is a fear-based response and it's driven off of fight or flight. Now, fight or flight, certainly in an acute state, it gives us incredible focus, but we're working off of survival, not off of our long-term plan. I love that you went there because this is something I really want to talk to you about and you're, and you're so knowledgeable on it. So uh, a Penny has a book coming out December 17th, correct? Uh, it's looking like it's going to launch the 11th. Oh my gosh. Okay. Soon here. So she has a book coming out December 11th. She is an expert on fibromyalgia. And if you don't know what that is, I'll let her explain it in a minute. Um, but she basically she's she's an expert on how the nervous system works i learned about this very randomly because i was doing some sort of a blog post on i don't even remember but i learned about the fight or flight like which is the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic which is our rest and digest nervous system and i the, the stuff in the, the stuff that i learned i'm like why doesn't everybody know this this is so key to operating as a healthy balanced human being and I really love the way Penny explains it. And I think this is something that with people who are, you know, maybe a bit A-type, they've got goals, they're pretty driven. It's not usually a priority to slow down. So, or if they do need to slow down, they have no idea how, right? They're like, oh, okay, I'll slow down and just like go for a 12 mile run today and do some hot yoga. It's like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, stop it, stop it, stop it. So... I would love to talk to you about, like, explain to us, like, talk to us a little bit about fibromyalgia and, and, and how you use the nervous, like, and your knowledge of the nervous system and, and the keys to having that balance and also the rewards of it. Like, how do you know when you have a balanced nervous system? So fibromyalgia, um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to discuss it here because it is one of those invisible illnesses that it's a complex pain syndrome and for people who don't know all of our pain 100 percent of it is created in the brain it doesn't matter if you cut your leg with a chainsaw those signals go up to the brain they reach a point and until they are processed and that processing takes place and your mind decides it needs to bring it into your awareness you're not going to know about it that's why you can be working at your computer, on your phone, whatever you're doing. You can dig in and you can be working for hours and then you take a break for 10 or 15 minutes and then you're like, God, I have a massive headache. Mm. And you didn't realize it's because your conscious focus, your brain was like, okay, she's focused, she's going, this isn't life-threatening, we're gonna let it go. But then when you take a minute and take a break, and it's so significant then that it's hard to focus to go back in. So with fibromyalgia, what has happened is at some point there has been a stressor within the body. There's either been chronic low-lying stress or there could have been an acute event like a surgery, an accident, a death in the family, 
or there could have been major PTSD type related trauma that has created some underlying stress within the brain. And then you get this creation of this pain and the pain can vary from location and intensity. And there are um, dozens of what we call comorbid, which means they go together with diseases or syndromes that go with this like irritable bowel syndrome, reflux, migraines, myofascial pain syndrome, arthritis, some autoimmune diseases. But the one thing that all of these things have in common is that there is research that shows that if you can bring the stress response back into line and you improve what's called heart rate variability, and that has to do with vagal tone, that's just a fancy word for the uh, rest and digest. Mm -hmm. When you bring that back into line, it creates a state within the body where these genes that got switched on that perpetuate this pain can either be overridden by genes that counterbalance that, or even the possibility of reversing those. That has not been proven yet, so I wanna be clear about that. But relaxation training, uh, there was a study that came out, I'm not gonna get the name right, but they looked at six weeks of relaxation training. They did blood testing and they found the activation of 1,561 genes. Wow. Less than 2% of all disease is hereditary. 90%, well, 75 to 90, depending on which study you look, like, look at, 75 to 90% of all doctor's visits are due to stress-related illness or symptoms. And this totally resonates because I know, uh, like, I, I thank God I've never been in this situation, but I remember reading, anytime I've read about anybody who's had a shark attack, the first question anybody, everyone asks them is, did you feel pain? And they're like, no, I felt no pain. I had to get out of there. And so with what right. you're saying with the brain registering pain, we see that a lot in extreme events. Like I remember I, I jump horses and I've, I've ridden horses since I was three years old, right? And I remember one time I was doing an eventing course, which is like when you're jumping all those logs and all this stuff. And I got thrown from my horse and I landed on my, so I landed on my back on a log. So my back, you know, I landed in that circle shape type right. thing and I got up and finished the course and was fine and the next day I was wrecked and it's so so it's so totally resonates with what you're saying in terms of like brains like can we focus on this now no okay <laughs> keep going yeah absolutely and you know the other thing is acute short-term stress actually reduces pain believe mm. it or not you get an enhanced activation of endorphins, you get a cortisol release that helps that as well. In low level chronic stress, those cortisol levels aren't as effective and the pain inhibition becomes less effective as well. So you have inflammation that's out of control, decreased mm. cortisol levels, and a decreased ability to signal to interrupt that pain. Now, a lot of people don't realize they have stress in their lives. And this is what I stress in the book. We have normalized stress. 
our mm. society has advanced immensely and we're still dealing with the same bodies in the DNA that we've had for thousands of years. So your brain cannot tell the difference between that email coming across and saying someone just tried to hack your website and a bear chasing you in the woods. So if you allow yourself to be accessed to your computer and your cell phone all day with alerts constantly going off and you feeling like you're having to put out all these fires rather than blocking off time to sit and deal with them in that time frame, then you're creating constant low level stress mm -hmm. and which can lead to burnout. This is so interesting because, okay, so when I first learned about the nervous systems and learning about the fight or flight and the rest and digest, I don't know about you listening, but when I think of the fight or flight nervous system, I think like, okay, that's activated when I am in trouble. I am like, I am over the edge, stressed out, scared, whatever it might be, right? Like that's when that's activated. Exactly. What I didn't realize, and, and through talking to, if you get Penny's book, she explains this as well, is it doesn't matter, it, like anytime you're alert, just alert, you could be in line, you could be whatever, you're in the fight or flight nervous system. And especially nowadays with all of the, of the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, fake, I guess fake is a good word, but with all the fake blue light that we get from screens, I'm thinking of a different word, I can't get it, but that's okay. But with all of the excessive blue light we get from screens, as well as like one thing I didn't even think of that, that got brought up is you could walk into a room that had some, has some sort of something in the air that's hard on your body. You might not even know it's there, but your nervous system has, it, it, you're in the fight or flight because your body has to deal with that. And you might even not know. So this blew my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm like all over the place. I am always in my fight or flight. So Penny, one thing you brought up is you were saying, you know, you like, like with the people you help um, in a situation or with fibromyalgia, relaxation techniques. So what are, what are the, how do we know when we have a balanced nervous system and what are the ways we can move we can make sure that we're going into the rest and digest. Um, like, how, like, how do you know if you're there? Well, one way to know if you're there is if you are someone who regularly monitors your heart rate. Okay. You know, if you're a runner or that type of person, you know, you'll know when your heart rate is at the lowest level that you have for a baseline. You're most likely in that rest and repose exercise singing, um, mm. meditation, self-hypnosis, those things will actually bring about the relaxation response. And when I say singing, it's not like, la, la, la. No, I'm talking about like when you're in your car <laughs> and, you, and, and you put on the, the remastered Tina Turner, Proud Mary, and you're like belting it from the top of your lungs with the sunroof on your maxima open at 80 miles an hour at midnight. I've done that. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, um, then that's, that's when you engage. It's those big lungfuls of air and belting it out and vibrating your vocal cords. You see mm. your, your, your vagus nerve comes from your brainstem. It's 
the single nerve of the parasympathetic nervous system. And you've got nerve endings in some of the major organs, but what's key is it innervates the heart, it innervates the stretch receptors in the lungs, and it's what's functional for your, your vocalization and your swallowing. So anytime that you sing and you're talking, you're vibrating these nerve endings. You're stimulating this nerve on what's called the efferents and the afferents. In other words, the sensation piece of it, as well as the, 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 the part that sends the signals out to the body. And when you take that big lung full of air and the lungs stretch, when you're breathing deep and you hold it, uh-huh. think, think of trying to think of a really good example. So this is a bad analogy, but you'll get the idea. So when you get in your car, you're sitting in the driver's seat, you're behind the steering wheel and you have all this room. Now imagine if you had to drive around in your car with the airbags always inflated. Oh, it'd be so uncomfortable. I, I, I would have to lose 70 pounds, right? <laughs> so think, think of your heart as you getting into the car and your lungs are the airbags. When your lungs are inflated, your heart doesn't fill up with as much blood. Oh. So, the, so the brain tells the heart, slow down your beating heart so you have more time to fill up with blood so that we can pump it out. That's what triggers the heart rate variability. Mm. When you take those nice deep breaths, it compensatory slows your heart rate and it activates that part of the body that says, okay, we're lowering our heart rate, we're dropping our blood pressure. Let's kind of slow things down a little bit. And that's basically the rest and digest response. The reason that stress harms us so badly is it's going to shunt your blood to your heart, your liver, your kidneys, your lungs, your brain, and to your legs because you're going to have to you're going to have to run or you've got to get oxygen and nutrients to your brain. That's so you can think and you can run. So when your blood is going to those areas, it's not going to your gut. It's not going to your sexual organs. um, It's not going to your kidneys. And so these things become impacted. That's why when we get stressed, we have digestive symptoms. Mm. Does that make sense? Anyone, Anyone who has IBS, first trigger is always stress. Exactly. It's because of decreased blood flow to the gut when we're stressed out. That's so so interesting. Okay, sorry, keep going, yeah. No, so people need to learn a really good breathing technique. There are several, and I teach one specific to my clients where it's a belly breath like you take in yoga. You breathe Mm -hmm. in for a count of three, you hold it for a count of three, and then you exhale for a count of six. And this slows you down to between four and six breaths a minute. The research shows if you do that for 10 minutes, 
three times a day. Don't hyperventilate. Nice, slow, and easy. 10 minutes, three times a day. You decrease pain. You decrease depression. You decrease anxiety. And people who have stressed adrenals return their cortisol levels back to baseline. That's so, that's so cool. And with what Penny's talking about with heart rate, heart rate variability, that's often called HRV. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's actually measuring the time in between the heartbeats, correct? It's the time and the response based on what activity you're doing. I've, I don't know exactly how they test it, but my nurse practitioner does something similar. And what she does is I'm sitting in a chair and she'll have me, I have all these monitors on and she'll have uh -huh. me sit up and stand down, sit up and stand down, or stand down, sit down and stand up. Hello. <laughs> Talk about stressed. <laughs> so this is actually something that uh, almost every professional sports team uses. Uh, I did it for a while when I was it, when I was younger and doing competitive gymnastics. When I had to do it, like right when I woke up type thing, and I had to put this band on and and it would connect to a monitor and then you leave it for five minutes. And what it shows this is super interesting. So like this kind of stuff is very legit. It shows whether or not you need to do a hard, you can do a hard training day or you need a recover day based on where your nervous system is at. Because if you're too much in the fight or flight and you keep pushing that, pushing that, pushing that, you know, you'll be on a high for a while, but then there's going to be a burnout. Whereas with, with the HRV stuff, the heart rate variability, I really recommend just looking into it a bit because it's a really easy tool to use to show you where you're at and what would be best for that day. Um, and I, I, I'm a really big advocate of it. I, I, yeah, like I think it works really well. Yeah. My favorite thing is the breath because yeah. it helps me to go to sleep. Oh, the best. Yeah. yeah. You, you get melatonin release, serotonin release, endorphins. So yeah, it, it's a good technique because if you focus your attention on the breath when you're taking it, it quiets your conscious mind. So you know all about the thought stopping. That's another way to decrease stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one common misconception with meditation is if you're listening to this, maybe you meditate, maybe you don't. Um, meditation is something that's been in my life for about five or six years now. And I meditate every single day. I never miss a day. Something else will go in my day, but meditation never does if, if I'm tight for time because I know the rate of return on it. <laughs> I know how well it works. But if you're listening to this and you know you, you don't really know what meditation is or you haven't done it or whatever, I think a common misconception is like to meditate means you have to stop thought, which like, no, that's, that's, that's almost impossible. But when you're meditating, a, one, I mean, maybe you can stop thought and that's amazing, but it'll be for a shorter period of time. But what you, like the whole goal is to essentially detach so you're kind of observing your thoughts as they come. You're not, you know, you're not in them attached to them like we are when we're in traffic or in, you know, pretty much any waking moment of our life. Is there like for your people that you work with, is there anything, any like mis common misconceptions around meditation that you notice? Um, I generally don't work with people 
in meditation, though I have had people say they can't meditate, so they didn't believe that they could go into hypnosis. Mm. And I think they have the same misconception that you're talking about. They think that they have to be able to go silent and have nothing happen. I mean, I've been practicing self-hypnosis for many years now and my monkey mind will still jump in the ring once in a while and I have to keep bringing it back I mean that's just um it's just human nature but you brought up a very important point and Jim Fortin said something the other day on our coaching call that just really hit home for me I've, I've been in that coaching program for a year now and this is the first time I heard this and I've always put myself second. I've always been second because there's always been someone else or something else that needed doing. And you know, I just recently resigned my nursing anesthesia position to do hypnosis full time. Mm-hmm. And so he said something the other day and I'm like, that is the key that unlocks the door for me. And he used the term unbreakable standard because mm. because in my healthcare practice, there were certain unbreakable standards, in my opinion, around my values. And I'm like, this has to become an unbreakable standard for me. If you're an entrepreneur, you have got to take care of yourself. If you're not taking actions to get yourself out of fight or flight, to allow yourself to go into attempted periods of silence, even if you don't achieve silence, it's just the ability to observe your thoughts and see what's going on to see what's going on under your surface when you're busy and you're not aware of what you're thinking. Um, That has to be something that you do because you will get into trouble fast, especially as you're building a business because we always tend to push to do more, faster, better. And what you see on the internet is you know on social you know people talk about how they post their quote unquote vulnerable stories but 99% of their stories are their success stories yeah they're not going to repeat those stories of their struggles over and over and everyone has struggled to some degree to get to where they are but you've got to take that self care so that you don't burn out before you cross the finish line this is so huge because like, like for example, if you were to see me from the outside uh, for like me personally, right. You would be like, okay, that girl does a good job of self care. She does, you know, she does all these things. And, and also too, I, you know, I don't have kids. And so I'm, I'm lucky to have that time freedom and all this stuff. Right. At the moment. Right. But one thing with what you're saying in terms of unbreakable standards. So one thing that I do, I've been dealing with lately and I've been like, wow, this is such a thing. Like, I didn't realize how big of a thing it is for me. And I'm sure other people can relate is this immense feeling of almost like heavy guilt when I don't have a productive day. Or even if I just don't work as I'm like, oh my gosh, well, like, who am I to have this business? I didn't even work very much today. I only worked for like two hours, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, it's so interesting because I'm like, wow, I did not, I did, I would not have guessed that this was how I would react to having more time, you know, like, but 
it's so, so like how, so with what you're saying with self-care and whatnot, because I, I think we hear self-care a lot and I think there's a really big difference between self-care and self-love, right? Right. The, yes. You know, you can go and get, you know, get your manicure and get massages and, and whatever it could be for self-care. But there, there definitely, there definitely can be situations where that's very external and it doesn't actually really fill you up. Like you don't feel rejuvenated, revitalized, like, like that really good version of you afterwards, you're kind of just tired from all your appointments, right? <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about, uh, like about your standards in self-care and, and what, and with the entrepreneurs you work with, what, what do you, not just the most successful, but in terms of the happiest ones, what do you see them doing? Um, in terms of the happiest, and I'm going to combine here the most successful, cool. have a morning routine. Okay. And it doesn't have to be a big two, three hour morning routine. But I find that I too have my best days when I give myself at least an hour before mm. I look at the phone for social debt. See, my phone is my alarm. Mm. So I, I, I've had to break the habit, and sometimes I'm still guilty, but break the habit of looking at notifications when I pick up the phone. I pick up the phone, and I put it on some solfagio, and I go make my cappuccino, and then I sit down with my journal, and I soul journal, and then I'll just kind of write out about my feelings of the day. And then maybe I will take my Phoenix planner and say, okay, what is the one thing I set my intent for the day? What's the one thing that I really want to accomplish today? And mm. then I'll go shower and just kind of get dressed in a leisurely manner. Before this past month, I wasn't able to do that because I, um, to quote a friend of mine, I had my ass on two horses between the two <laughs> jobs. I had to get on one horse. Yeah. And since then, I have been able to create a schedule that allows me to take time in the morning. And if I work outside of my hours, it's because I make a conscious choice to work outside of those hours, not because I allow myself to become stressed and get so deep in what I'm doing mm. that I don't stop. And, you know, if I'm getting tired in the day and I want to keep working, but I'm like, you know what? I'm mentally fatigued. I need to step away. So people honor the way that they feel and they have some sort of, be it meditation, yoga, stretch, something that they're doing where they allow themselves to start their day for them and then they move into their day. I think that's so key. Um, one thing that's newer to me that's been so powerful is journaling. Um, I, I, when I was growing up, my brother had a really explosive temper. Like when he really got mad, like the cops would get called because he would just yell. Like people would be like, oh my God, somebody's getting hurt in that house or whatever. And I mean, now he's just the chillest, most lovely human being ever. But growing up, it really gave me a really big aversion to anger. Like I can count the amount of times I've gotten like truly angry in my life, like on one hand, because I don't go to anger, I go to hurt, right? So what's really interesting is when I was first introduced to journaling, I remember this one time specifically when uh, I, was, I was supposed to go on this trip with uh, this road trip with a couple of friends, but I wasn't feeling good and I felt so guilty about canceling and I was just so pent up with this, um, 
just sort of this negative guilt emotion. And I was like, oh, I just learned to put journaling. I'm going to journal. And as I started writing, all of a sudden, it's like I was writing as the emotion. And I was like, why am I responsible for other people's feelings? And I let out this like crazy burst of anger. It was like one big breath. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that never would have happened if I wasn't journaling. Like, it, it, I think there's something really, really powerful about taking, especially in the morning, taking the chaos that we all have, taking the chaos that's going on in your head and giving it a two-dimensional prison, putting it on the paper for the day. And there is something so liberating about it. I wish there was, I, I, have, I like data, right? I'm a marketer, but I wish there was like something really solid I could back up with this, but I, I know it works because of how I feel, but I really, really like that in terms of having, even if it's an hour. And if you think about it, by the time you get up, you get dressed, blah, blah, that's already 20 minutes. So if you can just take an hour for yourself in the morning and see what it does. Yeah. And if you're going to journal, wrap it up with gratitude. Oh, okay. Okay. I like it, that. It, it, and feel that gratitude because there was a study out of Stanford that they looked at people experiencing anxiety and depression and they had them write just one, one letter of gratitude per week for six weeks. Decreased depression. Wow. decreased anxiety, increased optimism, motivated. They came back and reassessed them three months later and it had not changed. They, wow. still, they, they still had improvement three months after those six letters. So imagine if you spent two or three sentences each day allowing yourself to feel, and that's the key, feel grateful for something in your life. And yeah, and I think with what you're saying there, really feel it, like feel thankful, feel not like, oh, I'm grateful for my body and for this, like really be engulfed in the emotion. Yeah, emotions are the language of the mind. My gosh, I love it. Okay, I could talk to you about this forever, but I want to be respectful of your time. So if anyone's interested, we're going to have a link to Penny's book in the show notes. Uh, by the time we're recording this on November 22nd, and your book's coming out December 10th. So definitely by the time this is released, the book will be out. So you can go grab it. But Penny, tell people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at pennychason.com. That's C-H-I-A-S-S-O-N. I'm on Instagram at penny.chason. And I'm on Facebook as myself. I love it. Okay, amazing. So you guys, honestly, I cannot recommend her enough. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when she was talking to this podcast, I'm just like, oh, I just love her voice. And it's incredible in hypnotherapy. So get in touch with her. Uh, definitely pick up the book if this is something you're interested in learning more about. And thank you so much for listening. Penny, thank you for being here. This was incredible. And thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, definitely fun. All right, cool. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up some extra knowledge on Instagram by searching at ella.j.may. If you absolutely love what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your thoughts with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the good stuff coming. Or visit my website at ellajmay.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and kill it on Instagram.